I looked up, how can I make money and travel? And that's when digital marketing came. I never thought in a million years it would be an entire business, let alone me hiring someone, let alone me be able to live where I want to live. Got into law school a couple months later. I thought I would have my Elle Woods moment. And I thought like the song, The Perfect Day would come on. Everything would make sense in my life. And I didn't feel that happiness. I felt almost like defeated, which is crazy. Cause you know, people get into like those schools and you're supposed to be super happy, right? Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Profession Session. I'm Brody Vinson, and I'm on a mission not only to define professional greatness through the tactics and qualities behind it, but also to help anyone that's trying to achieve professional greatness do it through the lens of others that have achieved it before them. I couldn't be more thankful for everyone that helps me continue along this mission through being able to do this podcast. And if you've ever gotten any value out of it, I ask only two things in return. If you could share it in the same way that you found it with someone else that you think could get value, it helps me so much. And if you could also just hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet, it helps me so much in just securing better and better guests for the show to share more impactful knowledge with you in this pursuit that we're both on for professional greatness. So without further ado, let's get on to this week's episode. Um, my name is Rosalind. I'm the owner and founder of Tulis Marketing Co. My name is not Tula, clearly, so I named it after my grandmother. Um, she was an entrepreneur herself in Peru, which is where I'm originally from. Very cool. Um, so yeah, I originally started Tula's Marketing. It is a digital marketing agency. Um, so we are officially a growing team. It's no longer just me. So that's uh, been an exciting pivot in the past couple of years. Very cool. So get into a little bit of like the thought process behind starting it, where you were at in your professional life as you started this. Because I know, and we'll get into this deeper, but I know that you kind of started it while you were doing something else as a side hustle and it obviously became a full-time thing. I'd like to get into the process behind that and how that kind of journey went and played out. Yeah, absolutely. So um, actually, uh, Brody and I actually went to UCF together, so that's Go awesome. Go Knights, charge on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so fun fact about that, but I actually graduated college and then went straight into the corporate setting. I came out with a job, and I thought that was the dream life that I wanted, right? Um, I knew I was gonna go to law school, like I was already studying for my LSAT, but once I had the corporate job, it just didn't feel right. Like something about it fell off, like I was meant almost like for more, and I felt it to my core. So I started listening to, like literally inside my cubicle, I started listening to all these entrepreneurs and just learning about finances and business stuff, which I've never been introduced to in the past, right? Everything I've ever always learned has been like law and, you know, just reading and writing and things that aren't really necessarily applicable. It's more technical. And from there, it just kind of went to, I, it, I don't want to say it, like the thoughts of just grow, being outside of the bubble started kind of emerging where it was like, well, you can be outside of it. You don't have to follow this nine to five and then wait to retire to enjoy life. Like you can travel in your 20s, you know? You can pursue other routes that you may perhaps didn't consider in college. So that's when I decided to quit my job and go across the world. <laughs> Big decision. So I know we talked a little bit off air about how you feel like you're a bit of a risk taker, yeah. but you take calculated risks. Could you get into a little bit of just like the, the nitty gritty around like, 
the decision, like what led up to it, how you kind of positioned yourself? Yeah, so I am, I'd say I'm a calculator risk taker for sure. Um, one of the things that I did was weirdly enough, um, I when I was abroad, I looked up how can I make money and travel, which I know sounds crazy, but it was it was literally that. How can I make money and travel? And that's when digital marketing came. I found these two girls with similar stories. They had the nine to five, left it and moved to Mexico, and they started these courses. And these courses teach you these digital marketing skills, anything from social media to website building, you name it, they were taught it. So I basically grabbed my credit card and I was like, well, let's try it. It's just like a normal college class, right? And from there, I just started doing it bit by bit, but it's crazy. I actually didn't start the agency right away. This was like 2019. Okay. I came back, What I felt like almost like I, I went back into, you know, getting to the ball and chain where it was like back to the corporate setting, see if I could even get into law school, right? And I got in, and at this point I already took the classes but I, for the social media stuff, but I wasn't really applying it. I was just, I just had those skills and that's it. And my sister asked me like, hey, I really need help with this. I'm like, well, let me try it out. Like, obviously I'm not gonna charge you anything. I just, you know, let me see if I can help you. And I realized, wait a minute, like I can actually do this. And at that point, I kind of started as a side hustle to just see, like I was I was thinking it's gonna bring me an extra maybe $200 a month. That was my mindset back then, right? I'm like, I didn't earn a lot of money in my corporate job. $200 could pay a couple bills for me, why not? I never thought in a million years it would be an entire business, let alone me hiring someone, let alone me be able to live where I wanna live. So from there, it just kind of spiraled. I got into law school a couple months later and I knew at that moment when I like had the um, acceptance letter with a scholarship and everything I could possibly want I thought I would have my Elle Woods moment I was <laughs> I was considered the next Elle Woods like in my sorority that's literally what people name me um and I thought like the song the perfect day would come on and yeah everything would make sense in my life and I didn't feel that happiness I felt almost like defeated which is crazy because you know people get into like those schools and you're supposed to be super happy right and you work so hard kind of leading up to this exactly. with that end goal in mind right i mean i retook the lsat you know several times and i worked my butt off i spent thousands of dollars on courses so yeah i spent so much of my time and energy and money to get into this and when i had it it was like that's it this is all i feel why don't i feel super happy and that's when i realized like wait a minute there's something more i that's missing here that I'm clearly not listening to. What do you think that was? Do you think that you had that calling from a young age or do you think that kind of just snapped in that moment? Um, if I'm honest, in hindsight, I mean, I know you're an entrepreneur yourself. It's like we're never, we try to fit in and we probably fit into almost like every tiny circle, but we don't always like fit in, fit in. You know, we don't belong to this one group. And I and I think it's human nature to want to fit in. You know, it's it's our human nature. But I, I was part of the chess club, but I was also, you know, in the sorority, I was student government. Like I was in almost every group and I'm friends with a lot of people in different groups, but I never fit in and I wanted to fit into a box. Like I was almost like frustrated with myself. Like, why can't I just be this one person? And then I, as I'm going through listening to these other business owners and entrepreneurs, I realized, wait, they felt the same way. Like we're not meant to fit in. In this entire time, I've been trying to put myself in a box because that's what society tells us. And all of a sudden, like, I'm pursuing this thing, which 
feels like I'm off leash, but it's it feels great and it feels natural and it feels like like I, it calls to me and I want to embrace those challenges and failures and learn from that. That's interesting. I've never heard it quite put that way, but I definitely think I resonate with that. It's like you just know that you want to be working like full force on something. And I've always been I've in the corporate jobs that I've had, I've always felt a little trapped by like like being in that box, you know, like mm-hmm. being like like you have to a personal little anecdote, kind of a silly story, but um, not even really a corporate job, but one job I had early on in college that kind of, I thought about recently and I thought of it as like kind of a, an anecdote about this particular thing about just like feeling hampered by like being put in a box. So I worked at Academy Sports, just like unloading basically the, the merchandise in the morning. And I remember we had these little pallet jacks where we would move around like big pallets of stuff and we would put them down and then start unloading. And I would like skate around on the pallet jack just like to go back and forth. And I just remember getting in trouble for skating around on it and being like, I just fundamentally disagree. Like I'm being efficient here. I'm literally getting stuff done faster and having fun. And it just made me think like there's a way to do things your way and in a fun way that you enjoy and also get things done right and efficiently. Oh, I kind of a silly story, but like, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I was in a, my, one of my jobs, my many jobs in college, um, was working at a resort and I'm grateful for that job. Like, that's why I tell everyone, like, sometimes they're like, Oh, this job, like I hate it, complain about it. But I was taught early on, whatever job you do, do 100% at it because you never know how it's going to help you later on. That job taught me customer service and hospitality. It's crazy. Like, you need customer service if you want to run a successful business. Absolutely. So, it's all customer service. Like, once you get someone to sign up. All because It's how – and not even that. It's like when you – you're going to have problems arise. You know, that's just a natural thing that happens with business. How you react to them – will control the outcome of the situation, which is so important. Like people automatically want to freak out or you want to be defensive. It's like, no, what about actually, you know, acknowledging the, the, the issue at hand and then risk mitigating it? And people don't do that right away. They just want to get defensive and mad. And that job taught me to do that because I had to. And What's an example of a situation in either that job or in running your agency? where you felt like those skills kind of came into play and helped save the situation? I would say a lot of it was, um, I apply it mostly in my agency now, where if someone has um, perhaps an issue with something, right, whatever that is, I would, the first thing I do is always acknowledge it because in, in when you're in hospitality, you never wanna just say, no, you're wrong. You want to listen to them, right? Maybe go check on the problem or check if there is a solution. Even if you know the answer will be no, right? Go try to figure it out. One, that calms them down because you actually try to do something about it. And two, it's just going in a calm manner. And, you know, even though you couldn't get them the right solution that you wanted, you mitigated the entire situation already, right? And that's what you want to do. So that risk management part is just so important. You know, instead of that, having that client be really upset with you, perhaps, you know, they become understanding. Perhaps you can level with them. Maybe half the time, like, this is crazy that's happened. I've been able to upsell a client, even though they were, like, not, they weren't, something with the situation was happening. And I was like, well, then we start discussing about other alternative routes. And they, they were like, well, yeah, I w- want to do that alternative route. 
somehow I went in there with a problem, but came out like upselling them on a contract. Because they've seen that you are easygoing to work with, they, that you are willing to solve a problem, right. and that if problems come up in the future, that you'll be committed to making sure they get resolved. I mean, it's it goes far beyond that. It goes like perhaps um, being heard is just so important, I think, in, in anything in life, right? Personal and business, being heard is so important. And a lot of people, when they when you work with other individuals, other businesses, you know, I work with um, board board like literally board members and CEOs and business owners, right? Um, all across the spectrum. I understand that that is their baby, essentially. That is something that they worked hard for, and they just want to be heard and understood, and not just someone coming in here and outsider telling them, "Well, you're doing it all wrong." When it's like, well, they have a message, they have a brand, they've gotten this far to hire you for a reason. So acknowledge that part, and then you can start consulting on how to best maybe go a route that can bring them better efficiency or more profits, right? I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is a good segue to talk about how you got clients initially, how that's evolved, what types of clients you typically work with, and what kind of work you do. Um, so my first client was my sister, um, not even really a paying client. It was just something that I came across. And then from there, I would say she, you know, I started working with a couple of the people she knew. Again, not even a real business then. Um, but I was like, well, what if I do make this official? You know, maybe, maybe I'll become good at it. So I made my business official. I think it was June of 2021, I believe. I was already doing this for a few months. And finding clients to me came like at that first six, seven months wasn't, just, I was just working with them, like maybe two, three people at most. Um, and again, it was it, like, I remember the most expensive package I sold at the time was like $200 a month, which to me was like the biggest deal in the world. I was like- Cause you're making money doing something besides just your job. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. People like wanna earn the first thousand right away. And I was like, that's when I, it took me six, seven months to um, earn my first thousand dollars in my business. And I was so happy, like I was over the moon and people wanna earn that like overnight and I'm like, that's not how that happens. There's so many steps in between. Now, once I was miserable, like this was December, 2021, my life I felt like kind of fell apart. My relationship ended. I wasn't happy, my corporate job I was crying all the time. And I didn't even have secure clients. Like when people, when I left my corporate job, people were like thought I had all these clients lined up, I didn't. I just had like this higher calling telling me like you need to like you need to do this you need to quit i'll catch you and from there i was just i i want to say hustling but yeah i kind of went on you know different social media i started reaching out to people i know and clients just kept coming to me you know obviously referrals are huge for me and for any business and it's weird how i just kept coming across them over and over and over again like i even made it a point every single week i'm going to go to one or two networking events and I was scared. I'm this young girl in Sarasota, right? Networking events, they don't necessarily just have the young, like young t people in their 20s typically running as business owners. So it was scary for me at first, but I told myself like, no, I'm gonna keep showing up and keep showing up no matter what. So just a lot of networking events. So did you meet a lot of business owners just going to those and just start talking about like the types of things that you wanted to be doing? Um, that. I also utilize social media, which is why I'm so big on it. 
Um, one of the things that I actually did was build your, like people need to build their own brands. I mean, whatever business you have, yes, you can have, like I have my business account, right? But I also have my individual account. Whatever you are on there, that is your brand. I know people want to separate that a lot of time when they have a business, but you realistically can't. Yeah. So, you know, um, one of the things I'm very open about in my um, personal account is social media. Like I share things because I like to share that you can have a business and a life and still enjoy the good things in life and travel. So I just started tagging in other individuals and using collaboration, using these tools that we have that we use every single day for what partying and you know going out and doing dumb things right when it's like no i'm gonna use these tools to actually grow my business so i started doing that i just go to go to these networking events and intentionally i was always trying to make sure to figure out okay who has a facebook page who has an instagram page let me follow it let me message you on it and engage through that i mean it goes far beyond networking events i've gained probably most of my clients if not through referrals through social media like face going on Facebook groups and just reaching out to them promote like I just started doing paid ads this year so there's just a lot of cold reach out just kind of observing like what's going on in these groups like looking for the people that might be a good fit I don't call it cold reach out because these groups these people are posting I need a social media manager Mm. what kind of groups did you go to to find that um, anything, a lot of the groups that I joined were anything from the local groups, like Sarasota groups, right? And Tampa groups to just actual other digital nomads. And people, a lot of times people kind of within the digital realm, you know, they like to refer clients. Maybe it's not a good fit, right? Um, also a lot of people, I'm not against this competitive mindset. I'm against this like abundance mindset. So I started talking to other agency owners. I'm like, how did you do it? And let's talk and let's grab coffee. And guess what? Sometimes they had clients that they couldn't take, whether it was budget or just wasn't a good fit. So they would refer them to me and vice versa. So it was just thinking instead of looking at them like, oh, you're my competition. Like, oh, I don't like you. You know, it was like, no, let's go grab coffee and talk about how we can help each other. I think that abundance mindset is so important. That's something that I don't know if I even had that before I started doing this podcast, but that's something that's been very reinforced through doing this podcast is because I'm kind of seeing all these different types of business owners and professionals that operate in different ways and have learned different things. And there's so much to learn from peers. There's so much. I'm going to learn stuff from you today. I am learning stuff from you today, just like I do whenever I do one of these interviews. And it's because you're willing to not see them as competition, but just someone who might be doing something better than you. Yeah. And Could you I, talk about just how you approach those situations a little bit more and how you stay open to learning from people? Um, I would say something that stuck with me is there's, I mean, yes, I you want to obviously achieve a level of you're competent, you're knowledgeable and uh, an expert in the area. But what does an expert even mean in the area, right? It's such a broad definition. I would say strive to be your best and who you are as an individual. Um, From there, how I approach other individuals, it's like I – so I'm very big on my brand. Uh, My brand, I have my logos pink. Um, I'm very open about my belief systems. I'm very open about who I serve and how I – the mission of my company, right? Other – when I talk to other agency owners, they – the ones that I align with the most all have – their own crazy colors too and own mission statements and what their goals are 
I think I approach it not from like, oh, you're better than me, even though the imposter syndrome creeps in. I'm sure everyone feels it. If someone tells me that they don't, that's a lie. Yeah. Um, it does creep in. I realize there's so much that I'm I'm literally at the beginning stages and they're I don't know, they're like on level ten, right? And I can't compare it because they've been doing this a lot longer than me. And it's just that's the reality of it. And people sometimes want to be like they I've had someone come up to me like, well, you did in such a short time. Like, yeah, but you didn't see the back end work to it. You didn't see that. I started this years ago actually through mindset. Maybe I didn't have the technical skills, but I was already sitting in a cubicle, like changing my mindset into this abundance mindset from early on, not just like when I legally filed my business, right? Same thing for um, other agency owners that I meet all the time, right? It's like, you hear the same stories over and over and if anything they'll tell you Rosalind like I didn't have like I didn't have profits for like the first three or five years of my business and you have it in the first year and it's crazy because like I'm comparing my my myself to them right but, but from the wrong starting point completely wrong starting point like of course they're going to have that level of success they've been doing it for a, like I was still in high school <laughs> when they were they were doing this right and now they're telling me well I didn't even reach that level of success until like years in and you, you did it a lot sooner. That one is humbling to me, but two, it's also like, wow, when you actually listen, when you start looking at it from such an outside perspective, because social media is a highlight reel. That's it all it is, guys. Like I don't post about how tired I am sometimes. I don't post about how sad I am, but, um, or all the hard work, but I do post about what's going great in my business, mm-hmm. right? And no one's talking about like, oh, I didn't make enough money this month, right? And if, but when you sit down and have these conversations, you realize, wait a minute, there's so much more on the back end to it. Yeah, it's encouraging too, because you can see, oh, this person just hung in the pocket and kept working on this thing for years to get it to actually take off and be the success story that I see in front of me today. So if I do that, eventually it's gonna work out for me too. It's hard in so many industries to see that without having those conversations. I'm very lucky with the podcast because you can go back and not everyone will keep everything available, but many podcasts that I've kind of followed and taken inspiration from will leave all of their episodes up. So you can go back and see that episodes one through 20 or 50 or 100 were nothing like what you see today that seems so unreachable. And I think that's very cool. But I think having those conversations in any industry can really do that for you. Because if you if you ask the right questions and just stay open to learning and just approach it humbly, people are willing to share the failures, the difficulties, the challenges that went into doing what brought them to where they're actually at. Yeah. I And you're so right. I actually love going through YouTube and seeing their first episodes because I and I love that they don't take it down yeah because it's you can kind of see the transition of them having like maybe it was a setup wasn't as fancy right as this their setup was just like a pool table right or sometimes I saw like a camping table but I love that because it's so it to me it makes them more human but not in a bad way because it makes them feel like okay they're relatable and I want to listen to them more versus a person that has all these shiny things right away Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can just see, you can watch the evolution of how they grew, like maybe see that like it went from like the camping table like you, you mentioned, it went from that to some like slightly nicer version to some slightly nicer version. I mean, I didn't start in the studio that I'm in until maybe 
20, 30 episodes in, uh, but there was even maybe five or six or seven episodes that I did that I didn't even post because I was just like, uh, I had an idea of like the quality that I wanted to take them to. And I do like all the ones that I have ever posted have stayed up, but there was even like maybe five, six, seven episodes that I recorded that I didn't even put up because I was like, uh, you can barely even tell what's going on or hear what's going on. And the quality, really? was, oh yeah. Cause the quality just wasn't there. I think you, it's important to share stuff like that. You should say that louder because you know, yeah. sometimes someone's like, I'm going to give up on my podcast episode. I'm like, you're on episode five. Yeah. I'm like, um, chill out. You know? Yeah. It's just about like keeping with it, deciding like, I think it's not necessarily for everyone, but I think if you have like a strong mission and calling behind why you want to do something, yeah. then that's a good enough reason to stick with it. And you will see the success come in one way or another eventually in some form. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think if you like, I'm not gonna lie and say like I haven't had those times where I wanted to just kind of throw in the towel. I think everyone's had that at one point. But what made me want to keep getting up? I'm one of my professors in college, and I know it came from some famous person, but he told us 80% of the jobs just show up, and whether that's you being a parent, a spouse, you know, significant other, in your business as well too, like. Even if I, that one day, I just, I didn't, couldn't take anymore, but I sent out that one email and I just told myself, send out that one email. You already did more than what you did yesterday. Yeah. Consistency is really paramount. I had a pretty huge YouTuber in here doing an interview last week. He's got a million subscribers on one channel, like another 200,000 on another channel, these awesome businesses around mm -hmm. it. And he's my age. And so on the surface level, it's easy to get discouraged seeing something like that, seeing someone your age have this incredible success and feeling like, oh, well, they probably just got lucky or just something worked out really well. But getting into the interview with him, the biggest thing I realized is he was like, no, I've been consistent with this thing for about eight years, like every single week posting some kind of video, some kind of thing. And I've continued to grow it, continued to challenge myself. If you do that in your business or whatever pursuit, it does just compound more and more. It's like, it's cool hearing stories like that and just being able to go back. And I would encourage anyone if you're like, if you get to talk to someone more successful than you or someone who has achieved something you're trying to achieve to ask what it, how it started, like how, how they got into it, like what it looked like initially, because there's so much to learn from those kind of the situations. Oh, a hundred percent guys learn from don't, don't do this like I'm the best one out there because when you're starting out, you're not. <laughs> and I hear it all the time, like, I'm the best. Like, you know, no one's better than me. And I'm like, no, there probably is someone better than you. And if you were humble enough, you could actually learn from them. Exactly. So I want to talk about your business a little bit more because we talked, we kind of covered like the beginnings of it. That was, you said, kind of late 2021 is when you got like the first, when you kind of took that first step, right? When you kind of dove in full time. Talk a little bit about those first couple months of being full-time. I'm sure it was kind of crazy. It was like a big risk-taking decision for you, and I'm sure there, there was a lot that came with that. Give us like a little bit of an overview of like how that went to the time and like and what was going on. Okay, so I have to say during that time frame, I actually made a decision to move back into my parents. So um, Bert and I were talking about this actually how – I'm a big believer, guys. Like, a lot of people don't 
want to take this step but it's like if you can take one step backwards to take 10 steps forward just do it i mean that is your quantum leap which people talk about in the manifestation world all the time that is your quantum leap you put in the work but you have to kind of take that one step back and i actually read that in a book thank god a couple months before they're like you know before she became a world now world-renowned author and everything else she also did the same thing and same story with law school everything else was weird our lives were like parallel but she talked about that and so many of us are so afraid to take that one step right especially in our society nowadays where if you're in your 20s you know you should be driving a really nice car and you should be having all this money it's like that's not true and it wasn't until someone actually told me like no this is a time you experiment out of all decades this is a time you actually should be trying out every tiny thing that you want to help you grow and figure out what you don't want above all. So I said, okay, let's do it. If in, I think it was December, so like eight, eight, nine months, this doesn't work out, I was going to law school because I deferred at this point. And I remember I went home to my parents and I gave them a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> like they're very logical people. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I built a website, everything. I'm like, okay, see, I have a website. And I know I don't have the clients yet, but I will. And God told me this was going to happen. And by the way, I'm going to defer law school. And they looked at me. I thought they were going to be like really upset at me. But they were actually like proud of me for standing up to them and telling them and showing them that obviously I was I thought this through and I was prepared. Um, They were scared because I did ask them in hindsight. I'm like, are you guys like really scared? And they're like, we trusted you, but we just didn't know how well (laughs) this was going to go. Once they started seeing, like from day one, I remember, um, so December 2021 was last day. We went on vacation for two weeks. And I told myself after I come back from vacation, I'm going to go full force on this. Like, you know, no excuses. I'm going to figure out a way. And I don't know how, but it's going to happen. Okay. Guys, I had probably 300 followers on my business account. I didn't even have a lot of followers. Um, my personal one, I didn't, I, it was definitely less than a thousand. So when I'm saying like, I, and I had a 20, like, what was it 2014, 2013 MacBook Air with an iPhone 8? And this is 2021, 2022 at this point. Um, yeah, that's what I was working with. Okay. I didn't have fancy, like, technology. I didn't have all these followers. I just literally had me, my belief system, and just knowing that I had the ability to not give up no matter what. So I went full force and somehow people started like i just started posting about it and people just started reaching out to me that was like the first time i'm being a law of attraction super big on it i'm like that's the first time i realized whoa okay this stuff actually works could you describe the law of attraction a little bit so i think everyone has their definition the i might what i've read um law of attraction is a lot of like your mindset your energy you're basically gonna be attracting us so if you constantly think you know, I'm going to give an example. A lot of people say I'm broke all the time, right? I'm broke. I don't have money. I don't have that. And then they get more bills and they get shown over and over that they are broke, right? A lot of the people that think differently and maybe it's not that they have a lot of money because they probably don't, but they think of like opportunities. So you know what? Maybe it is not my right. Maybe I don't have a lot of money, but you know, it's going to come. And I'm gonna, they're going to be constantly seeking opportunities. Guess what? They're probably going to be attracting those opportunities as well. It's kind of when I hear people in, in dating, you hear all the time, 
you know, they're just so negative. Not negative things happen to them. Of course, not negative things will happen to them. Notice how positive they're people- They're expecting it. They're expecting it and they're attracting it. I do think a lot of it is that. Um, same thing with positive. So to me, that's a law of attraction, but you have to put in the work because I think sometimes people want to sit there and I'm big into manifestation and they just want to sit there and it just shows up at their door. That's not how it works. Yeah. You have to put in the work, right? Um, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Christian. I'm very open about that. Um, same thing. People are like, God will deliver. I'm like, God will deliver when you put in the work too. Yeah. So that's how it works. Um, whatever your belief system is, all of them have this greater source of power, right? And I just kept saying, okay, they're going to deliver no matter what, but I have to be putting in the work. And I did that. And it just kept coming over and over and over and over again to the point that I remember I was like, I don't know, I, don't, I think it was like May or June of last year. I went and I hired and I did um, but like hire a coach and it was um, through a course that they were the first ones to help me kind of restructure my packages, right? I was charging probably my premium package was probably $500. My basic package was maybe $200. Um, and, I, and they're like, no, do that backwards. Your most basic package is going to be starting at $500. And I was like, what do you mean? No one's going to buy from me. That's crazy. And they're like, no, no, just move it up. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get clients. Week after I landed my first client, $500 basic package. Less work, more money. It's funny. I've heard people say that have kind of a higher ticket operation that when they made that jump to charging a higher price point, I've heard that before, that it was just easier to find clients and that the clients that they ended up finding ended up being just easier to work with, less, their their expectations were a little bit more manageable, a little bit more realistic, just all the things. Like it's just kind of easier to, to charge that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, when I tell you I had, I remember the clients that, Everyone has their own budgets, but I think a lot of it also has to do with um, those individuals that typically can already or businesses that can obviously afford those price points. They kind of look at it from an efficiency standpoint and they realize, wait a minute, like if I burn them out, right, it's not going to work. To like when you look at it comparatively speaking, because most of them already have employees, right? What I, my most premium package isn't a full time employee salary. So that also helped. Um, there's a lot of variables to it, but I do, you're 100% right. That started happening to me. And, you know, then I learned about contracts and stuff like that. It was all a learning process. I think every single client that I had taught me something that I didn't know. And I, I'm still learning. I am still very much learning. Like, it doesn't stop. I mean, I hear um, guys listen to people you want to obviously emulate. Um, some people take, you know, advice from a broke, money advice from a broke person or relationship advice from the person that's not happy, right? Um, don't do that. So I actually start listening to other individuals who've already, you know, gone to the level that I want to be at. And they've all started saying the same things like do contracts, do this. And obviously I had a coach that was like guiding me through the process as well. And I realized, whoa, okay, I'm going to restructure how I do things, but I don't know, if, again, where am I going to get clients? Back to the Facebook group. And I somehow was landing on clients that could afford budget. And it was so crazy. It, was, it wasn't even like a, I need to convince you. It was like a, okay, cool. Um, just put us on auto pay, and mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, no, no worries. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, more money, easier. This client that I'm trying to charge like a couple hundred dollars is giving me the hardest time. Mm -hmm. Don't pay their invoices on time, but you're just like, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. 
I'm like, are you serious? And it's like a no-brainer to you? I was like, okay, yes. And it just started happening that over and over. And I remember my parents, like, it was like middle summer. They just looked at me and they're like, how are you doing this? Like, they literally said that, like, I don't know how you're doing this. Like, it's coming to you so naturally. And it was insane to them because it almost, like, reestablished their belief system even more. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I heard something that was going to be okay and it was going to be okay. And it panned out. And in less than a year, I the clients that I was working with were big, big clients. And I made, like, my first 10K within that year. And you got to realize already, like, I said to myself, if I could just make $1,500 in one month, I would be happy. Like, that's it. Just to cover my bills. That's all I wanted. Never would I have thought to see that much amount of money ever all at once in one month. Like, that to me is, like, still mind-blowing to me to this day. And if anything, when I do my projections, all that stuff, like, my minimum now is just it's insane to even look at because I was complaining about you know quarter two and someone reminded me like you remember last year how you were just like praying for that like that would have been your high yeah and that's like oh you just that's that was your worst month the goalposts have shift shifted a hundred percent and it's insane like even when I was doing interviews like last year my mentality changed so much of what could be possible for anyone and that's why whenever someone tells me about an idea or something they want to do, I'm like, do it. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> It'll work out. It will work out. We'll figure it out as you go. I um, want to talk about deciding to bring on someone to help you out with your business, how that looked, what the process was like, what the challenges were, and how that helped you improve your business. Um, it was huge. I mean, so I started last year where I was um, starting to hire out, and it those are kind of big moments within – the industry that people don't talk about it's like when do you when do you start almost like outsourcing is the wrong word but when do you start delegating and I didn't know that that was a part and to this day I'm still learning as I go right um because I did grow that like the business kind of quickly within that year most people kind of like okay like it's been like this for months and months mine's like no I went from this from zero to 100 kind of quickly in that sense and I'm like okay well I need help and I remember I was sitting at the table I'm like I'm so overwhelmed with work and I can't be a hundred percent here and here and my mom looked at me and she's like you know what your grandmother Tula would do it's like this is when she started hiring so I started looking at um you know virtual assistants and things simple as like even just helping me out with like engagement on profiles right save me hours and I had to start thinking, I it was actually an employee mindset that I had in myself, and I'm sure you've heard that before, where you we're so, throughout school and college and then going through the corporate job, you're an employee mindset where you kind of always have this bigger person, your boss essentially, to go to, right? And they're going to solve it for you. When you're running a business, you are the solution. You are the problem solver. There is no one's going to go to you, right? Um, no one's going to go to someone else. Like You are 100% the one that's going to figure out the solution to that problem. And if anything, if once you start hiring, like they're going to come to you and look at you with those eyes or like, hey, tell me what to do. So that's that was a pivot, trying to delegate, learning to delegate, learning to what to delegate. And then on top of that, from the financial standpoint, that was another huge thing that was a big learning curve for me, you know, 
even I remember the getting an accountant to me. It was a big deal because, and this just happened a few months ago because I was sitting overwhelmed with taxes. I didn't know what to do. Um, the re- first tax season as a business owner is a nightmare. Yeah, we're, it's night and day. We're still going through it. Yeah, PTSD. <laughs> we're still going through it. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I have a bookkeeper and accountant, and they're still going through it with me. Um, but it Same. is kind of a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare because I focus so much on bringing in the money, right? No one's like, hey, let's organize things for you. And I remember sitting um, at a coffee shop on a Sunday. I was so stressed. I think I was almost in tears. I'm like, I have QuickBooks and I pay for it, but I don't even know how to do this. This is so confusing. And I heard this in a podcast episode. Well, you just, what what is your time worth in an hour? And, I, and I'm like, well, my consulting fee is this much. Like, that's how much money you just wasted in those hours. And it hit me. And it hit me so hard. I was like, whoa, they're right. I could just go consult. I'm getting paid a lot more than if I were to sit here trying to do this job. And that's delegating that itself was a whole thing for me, you know? So it's, it's just steps. Um, I don't have the perfect answer to it quite yet because I'm still evolving at the stage of that process, but I definitely couldn't, I couldn't have time to even do a podcast episode like this if I didn't have a reliable team that was helping me behind the scenes right now, actively working. I think it goes back to that one step backwards to take 10 steps forward thing too. You sometimes, if you're bringing on a new team member or even just new technology or some new system to help you remove yourself to a degree that helps you put yourself somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of sometimes have to take that one step back. Maybe it's to train a new team member. Maybe it's to implement some new thing, learn some new system. You often have to take that one step back, but it does bring you those 10 steps forward or at least the ability to do so if you're putting in the work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I... I'm still, it's, and here's the thing, you go from hiring, maybe someone has their own business to kind of hiring more internally or whatever the case may be, that's that's a shift on its own. So, and then hiring someone that you trust for different aspects of your job, of your business. Um, I just took my first vacation after a year and a few months, like this past year, because I was so overwhelmed. And I couldn't do it because I was a one person show essentially. And that was hard for me. I mean, I remember I got on the cruise and I was like crying because I'm like, I let go of my baby. But it was fun. It was still here when I got back. So yeah. it worked out. Because you had put the systems in place. Absolutely. And I and I, I would hear that word systems all the time. You hear it all the time in, in the business world. And I was like, what do you mean systems? Like I have systems. I have, you know, my invoices and everything else. They're in systems. But it's like, no, think of it like as a whole um I had the word it took my tongue. Think of it as an ecosystem. Your business has to fa- like function as an ecosystem, right? And think of it as, you know, if even establishing, you know, SOPs, like standard operating procedures, things that you need, you know, in case you lose a team member, right? Can someone step right in? What is that learning curve, right? You hear all the time in corporations, like one of the biggest, um, losses of money and investments too is when you hire an employee and when you lose an employee yeah because all the retraining involved so much that's so much money invested and people don't look at it like that because they're looking at their hourly pay but for a business standpoint that is huge to them 
So because you have to factor in all the work that's not getting done between mm -hmm. having lost a team member and training a new one, however long that takes. Or you can't even get new clients. Yeah. Because you're at capacity. And if you get more, then obviously the work product and the reputation your business has can go down and you don't want that. I'd like to talk about systems a little bit. Let's get deep here a little bit into like your however deep you're you're able to go on like your tech stack how you've kind of developed everything like how you fleshed out your standard operating procedures and like the technologies that you've used to really put yourself in a position to be able to kind of move up another level i love organization i'm so tight with this stuff um so one of the first things when i went through this was i you know kind of started with google docs and all that but i remember sitting there and like there has to be a better way there just has to be a better way. It's so. easy for Google Docs to get super fragmented and disorganized, so especially because if you're using it for anything personal. I mean, for me, for example, like I, I'm in my MBA right now, so I've got like classes where I'm, I've got different Google Docs and stuff that are being shared all over the place. And then if I've got stuff for work mixed in with that, it gets very confusing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, I was still using uh, Word, do Word Doc. Um, in college so I know people use Google Doc for everything now but that's how I started with just simple Google Doc and then Dropbox and that's not efficient right um, especially with the client onboarding process because a lot of people come to us they aren't as tech efficient as we are and I realized they need something all in one place so for example I started looking up like how do I salvage client portals and this is when I actually, I was following other people that were within my industry on social media and they were like sharing how they organize things. So I would reach out to them and be like, what do you use? I like your setup. And this is where, you know, if I thought had a competitive mindset, I would think like, oh no, I'm not going to reach out to them. But I, I asked them straight up, like, just what is your system? They would reach out and they're like, oh yeah, this is the system I use. Here's my referral code. Here's a discount. Like, mm -hmm. okay, yes, thank you. Um, so I started implementing those things bit by bit. Again, I did, I wanna emphasize that I had um, a mentor guiding me through certain processes. Um, I did get into a business course um, right when I left my corporate job where they kind of help you establish these certain parameters within your business. So that, but I started learning along the way and SOPs to me was something that I actually knew for my corporate job, again, guys go 100% anything you do in life um, because they kept reiterating that over and over and I never understood why. And they're like, you have to update, update the SOP, you have to update the SOP. And I remember like we were struggling in my business in the beginning. I'm like, well, if I leave, like how do I teach someone? How do I keep up with, you know, especially in my industry where I like certain accounts, for example, they wanted a very specific message or they, someone sent an inquiry regarding their that client's product or service and, you know, I would ask the client, but I, I'm not the person that's going to ask them 10 times for the same answer. I'm going to record that answer. And I was already putting this in a Word doc, right? But why don't I just, like, make it more official? So I started kind of outlining an SOP. And I started making tutorial videos and saving those. And bit by bit, I was building that out. And I was like, whoa, okay, thank you to my previous corporate job for teaching me the skill. Um so that was big for me. The SOP was a lifesaver, and now my team uses it because I don't have to go in there anymore and do it. 
I just say. a lot of like tutorial videos mostly. Um, so the ones they have on their tutorial videos, if they need anything additional, then I will shoot that and put it on there, and I will just tag them, be like, review this. Um, but since they do handle a lot of the accounts now, uh, they go in there and they encounter situations. They no longer have to ask me the same question ten times. They just go, oh, okay, this is how we addressed it last time. This is the answer that's going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, okay, that's awesome, right? For client portal reason, um, client the client portal was a huge change to me because I have a proposal, contracts, and invoice on one place, and I can link Dropboxes, Google Docs, all in their portal, and it's super nice. So um, when people receive my proposals, if anything, they're like, "Wow, we're so impressed by how interactive it is and how you know professional it is." Because most people get what maybe a Word doc, something that looks like a contract listing out the deliverables, right? Mine's not like that. Mine is actually um, very interactive, and then it leads you to the uh, contract and or agreement, and then it leads you to the invoice to check out all in one place. And then um, once that happens, I will send them uh, their password to their own portal with every link that they need, and all they have to do is bookmark that. And if it's all in one place, that kind of decreases the friction of like being able to work with you. It makes it seamless and easy for someone who's very busy. I think the client onboarding process with any industry that you have, especially service-based, um, you should have an efficient onboarding process. If you don't, they're automatically already going to get confused and frustrated from you with the beginning, and it doesn't establish a good foundation. What are the three most important things that you think go into having an efficient onboarding process? Um, one, it has to be easy. So when I'm saying easy, like it has to be so easily readable in the sense of like I know where to click, I know where to go next, one, two, three, and that is it. You know, you hear the rule of three all the time, and I apply that there too. Um, the second one would be um, being very upfront about everything and how you're going to communicate. So, for example, one of the things that I now have, because I didn't have this previously, was just listing out office hours and expectations of when to communicate and how to communicate, right? I started getting text messages at 11 p.m. at night, and that was a big no. Yeah. You know, and they want me to respond, and then they would text at 5 a.m. So I actually did a um, a presentation of like, hey, you can't reach out to our team members, or if you do, we're not going to respond until Monday. So that's something I do now. If someone reaches out to me on a Saturday, I won't respond back to Monday. And maybe I am working that Saturday, Sunday, probably am. But, you know, I'm not client-facing during that time frame because it is important for me to have that separation and client boundaries. So that also allows them to know when I'm going to, you know, respond. And they tell me that. They're like, we didn't have an issue with you responding on Monday. We mailed you Saturday, but you knew, we knew we weren't going to respond until Monday. Because you've outlined that expectation. I set that expectation up front. Um, I would say the third one, if you're going to have an efficient and effective client onboarding process, is being very, um, I would say, organized and clean about where to find things. So by, what I mean by that is when people, especially in the online industry, they onboard you. I've, I've had this happen where I worked with someone else and they send me five different things, five different emails. I don't like emails. Yeah. Um, no one does. Please. It's too much. I have five different emails. I was like, whoa. I almost I went to them. I was like, have you tried this? Like, let me guide you. I know I hired you for something else, but I'm going to guide you how to do this more effectively. Um, so it wasn't clean. It was it was messy. Five emails. Whoa. Um, and from that, I would say, keep it just simple too like i would read through these agreements and i'm like hey 
I have a contract. It's it's long in there. It's a second page on that. But if you look at the proposal itself of what they actually need to know, it is it has graphics. Some of them are interactive and have videos. They select buttons and it automatically triggers and auto populates the contract and the invoice. Yeah. So if they want to read through the contract, it's very standard from any Florida service-based agreement. But what they really need to know is going to be in that first part where it's super easy and clean to read. Yeah. And then the whole process is just seamless. It's automated. So um, I do mine a little differently where I, so after like they, I onboard, they sign that 48 hours, um, they automatically get an email with password and everything from there is just, what is the word? It's triggered through an automation sequence. Do you have a, do you use like Zapier or something like that? No. No? No, I am very excited. When I try to find systems that I don't have to connect further, I do that. So mine is, um, I use Subsado and it's a HoneyBook works the same way where you can automate that without Zapier. Wow, okay. Yeah. Very cool. What are some other tech pieces that you've used like over the course of building this thing out that have been revolutionary for you? My laptop. Just getting a new one. Uh, I had to get a new one for the podcast maybe like six months ago because I was literally getting to the point where like, first of all, it would fill up like immediately with all the videos. Like I had to clear stuff out like every couple weeks. So that was an issue. And then also I would be like editing video and stuff and it would just get like the spinning beach ball of death and just start like humming like super loud and it just like it could not handle the load anymore. Which laptop did you get? Uh, I have a MacBook Pro with the M1. It's like the like the 16 inch. It's a big one. Is it two TB and 64 gigabytes RAM? Yes. That's yeah, I, I think have. so. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now you understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's very necessary. Too. I don't have the super big one. Um, I have the the 14 inch one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I that was. You understand that laptop is life changing. Oh, yeah. Because if you're doing all this stuff and like juggling all these things, I mean, I've got like pretty regularly with all the things I'm doing, I've got like three people in my personal life know this about me. Like, if they see my laptop, they're like, what the hell is going on on there? Like, I've got like three or four different Google Chrome windows like on different screens and I swipe back and forth and they've all got like tons of tabs open all at once i've got like different programs and i'm just like all over the place and to be able to run that you've got to have tech that works for you oh i'll have a zoom call and have like my adobe programs open think about that and you know what that means it's a lot yeah and i don't have an issue so the tech has been probably revolutionary in my industry um obviously in a digital based industry and i even then at this point, I don't think there's any industry that can't be like almost digital to a certain extent, you know, again, like cutting hair and whatnot. But even then you could record videos and tutorials and, you know, try to see if you could grow a following and even sell courses from that for people who do want to be hairstylists, right? Um, so eventually the student, the student becomes a teacher sort of thing. And my technology, I was, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I literally had a laptop from like 2014 building websites you know, posting on social media for clients on iPhone 8. And the only reason I got a new laptop is because it literally burned me, like burned me. Really? <laughs> it, yeah. From like heat, overheating? Yeah, it overheated Jeez. and turned black. And I was like, well, I have to deliver a project tomorrow. Um, and this is why we use iCloud or we use all thing cloud sources. We don't, I don't save a lot of things on my desktop. I only do it to manage it. But um, so if it dies, it's okay. It's, you know, it's somewhere in outer space. Um 
But yeah, so that was life changing. Then obviously getting a new phone. But here's the thing: I I know you and I were talking about this a lot of times. We don't we didn't start off with like the nicest cameras, right, or microphones. Um, we started out with what we had. And I think the entrepreneurship mindset has to be that. It has to be start off with what you have and then grow from there. Do you know who Alex Hormozzi is? Have you heard that name? He's a massive, like, massive player in the business space right now. He, like, he's kind of exploded overnight with his following, sharing business information. And one thing that always stuck with me that he said is rule number one of entrepreneurship is use what you've got. Mm-hmm. That means, like, the technology, the yeah. skills, um, the experience. I think he said it in reference to a lot of people really kind of spout this message of like, you have to have some really strong why or passion behind starting something. And he's like, when I started, it was the pain of being in my current situation. Reminded me of like, of your situation. Okay. He, was like, <laughs> he says, I was absolutely miserable in my like yeah. consulting corporate job that I had, like nine to five, like consulting job that I had. And the the pain of staying in that situation was so great that I had to do something else. And it that's rule number one is just use what you've got. Yeah. I, and so crazy because I, you know, people were like, oh, you're so passionate about marketing. I'm like, yeah, I like it now because I've, I've grown to like it, right? I've learned about it. But that's not why I started out. I still like law. I still read cases. You know, I find it interesting. But I my journey really started out with me Googling how can I make money and travel. So... I knew social media and what's crazier is that I didn't even have all these followers and I was still able to reach a goal, a sales goal within my business with less than a thousand followers, you know, and I know people that have (laughs) their influencers with way more followers than I do, but they're not hitting that because you're so, they're so focused on the actual, you know, superficial of the engagement and followers when they're like, not nurturing what one what they have but two they're not looking from a business standpoint which is when i realized there was such a gap in the market people focus on all these you know in social media you hear all the time well i want this post to look pretty well that's where my agency differs a lot i will respect your brand i will post and what obviously looks aesthetically pleasing but if this one post that's maybe not as good in quality is outperforming these other really pretty posts over and over again that's called data Mm-hmm. And I'm very metrics driven. So guess what I'm going to post more of? I'm going to post thing that's working. the thing that's working. And I've actually worked with clients who are like, well, we don't want that. And that's okay. But that's why I'm up front and begin with where, you know, even though they were, they were getting more clients, they were getting, you know, um, their social media was growing. They really wanted this one thing. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, it's, it's not going to be a great fit then because our, our focus is really to go where the numbers tell you. And I'm happy I did have that mindset from early on because I think that's what led to the growth of my business overall. And eventually it's how I pivoted to Big Business Energy Academy, which is what I um, recently launched to help other business owners stuck or even people who have the side hustle or have that idea stuck in that phase of like, how do I start? How do I do this, right? How do I make things profitable? And that's when I went and decided, okay, you know what? There's clearly a gap here. People need answers. I can't sit down for coffee with everyone, even though I would love to, right? How can I answer several people's questions in one sitting? Boom, Big Business Energy Academy was born. Um, I had the curriculum. I had everything else before I even had a name, guys. I know people focus on branding and logos all the time. But again, this is where my metrics and like 
my brain came in and was like, okay, no, just write out the curriculum, focus on the name after, focus on the colors after. I think I did the colors the day before. Um, I actually like went live. Um, the actual logo came, came like a couple of days before that. But I, because I really wanted to focus on how the curriculum that I was going to deliver and how it's going to be effective and how it's going to resonate with other individuals. So um, I, and I kept sitting in these coaching courses because I do, one of the things I do in my business is consulting. So and I love consulting. But I realized these consulting calls started kind of diving into more as to their purpose. And how do I make money? And all of them wanted to start social media accounts, but none of them knew how to monetize. And I said, well, this idea is great. But what's going to bring in money in the next three to six months? They never sat down with that question, like ever, not once. And I said, we're, we're going to create something that's actually going to bring in money for you. And I was like, okay, I love these calls. I'm really passionate about this. I clearly need to add this to big business energy. And that's how I was born. So that, as I know, having talked to you kind of off air, just launched like a couple weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Officially. Could you talk about from having made that decision to, to make the course, what the process of launching it was over that time? Because we talked a little bit off air about how you, you did this kind of unique type of launch called a live launch, right? And so I had never heard this before. I thought this was very interesting, the way that you kind of like tested things as you went and refined your process as you were actually launching it. Yeah. So again, guys, um, seek resources. I did. I actually signed up for a live launch challenge and it was from some the same mentor that I followed to help me establish um, those guidelines in my business when I first started. So I did it. I kind of needed one to be held accountable Um, Two, it was quick and easy to understand it was um, a three-day thing and three and you go through it on your own pace too afterwards but three I was like okay let's do it like I have no excuses because a lot of times people sit there and they're like well I don't know how to I don't who do I ask questions and I'm like well there's so many resources go seek them and then you can stop finding the excuses so I did that you know and I signed up for it and believe it or not it sat there for months you know I went through it but I was like uh, I don't have time for this and then eventually, as life will have it, life does this to you, it will make time for you. If it is where you're supposed to go, it will make time. So all of a sudden I had this clearing my schedule and I was like, okay, well, I think this is a time. Like I have to do it. It keeps calling to me. I'm going to have this nudge again, so I'm going to do it. What I did was I already have the curriculum lined up. Basically, whatever idea you have. And simplify it. I'm very uh, big on this where you should, in my case, how do you monetize using one digital product? And you don't have to have 10, you literally just have to have one. How to make money from it, right? And I took all these questions that people asked me all in the past year. I put them in sticky notes on my whiteboard. (laughs) And I just started putting them like separate places. And then from there, I started rearranging them. And I'm like, okay, simplified even more. How can I make this rule of three, one through three? So then I started putting it into modules. And that turned into many lessons in between. Once I had all that lined up, and, you know, I started creating the, the presentations. I started going through the curriculum again. Um, how can I make this better? I had to actually record it. So you can technically have a course without voice recording or video recording. I understand. However, if you look at it from a marketing standpoint, they don't perform very well, like at all. And that's because how many times have you gone to maybe a class in high school or college and you sat there and you just go through slides. Are you going to actually learn a lot from that? Probably not. And you're probably just going to, it's like, you might as well just go home and read a book, right? So 
what's actually going to be effective is if the professor's talking there, whether that's virtually or in person, that's the whole point of going into those sessions because you kind of get that interactiveness with them. So um, I knew I had to record them and I've, I've done a lot of recording sessions, but not like this. And I said, okay, well, what if my idea doesn't even work? So one of the things that I learned was this um, style called Life Launch, where, you know, you have the idea. Mine was already more built out than most people's. A lot of people don't even have stuff built out, but mine was. Um, and you pre-sell the course before you even have it, okay? And I did that. I pre-sold it because there is expenses to the course, right? The systems that I use, like mine's like one eighty nine a month, right? Um, my time, everything else. Well, I only need a handful of students, I said. And also my feed, the feedback. What if some, no one even buys it? I did have my first round of students, so I was super happy. Um, and I went through the curriculum with them. I literally said at 8 p.m. tonight, Monday through Friday, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to teach it. Then afterwards, we have a Q&A session. I recorded all that. I edited it, uploaded it so I could have it the next day. And now it's there. The course, um, now that version has been completed, but you know, we're, I'm doing some one-on-one coaching with some of them as well to refine the process, but also refine the products that they're trying to sell. And the best part is that they were able to get this at a price point for um, a VIP price is what I call it. I don't like using the word beta. A VIP price. Um, and they were able to get so much more one-on-one me time than, you know, if if they were going to go hire a coach that was going to charge them thousands of dollars. Right. So, and yeah. they're getting like their particular questions answered through the actual formation of the course. Absolutely. And I'm putting in their input as well because they're going to have feedback, right? And people are afraid of feedback a lot of times, but feedback is good. I don't get me wrong. I, I get it scary to hear at times, but feedback is what's going to help you grow. And that's why I was able to, I think, grow my business so quickly. And I've had every client tell me this like, you're so easy with feedback. Most people get defensive and you're just like, okay, let me look into it. I don't always know the answer, but I look into it, I figure it out, and then I over-deliver. So that's how I was able to refine my process in my agency, and now you know, I'm doing it in the course. So it is officially going to go um, go in effect. When I say in effect, that's wrong. Uh, it's officially going to open again in June. Cool. So right now we are just finishing out some refining it and just kind of retouching the some quirks and kinks in there. Um, but it's officially going to go open again in June, so I'm super excited for that, and it's going to be bigger and better. And so Big Business Energy, it's essentially a course on how to start your own business. Yes, how to start your own profitable business with one digital product. I love it. So um, I went before, because you can look up, honestly, you can Google how to start your own business, right? But I don't think, one, they simplified enough. Two, I also ran into the issue people kept asking me, well, I have all these ideas. And how do I even structure packages? And um, I will be holding a free webinar actually on that, on how to structure your packages with one product. Because you don't need several products. I mean, think about it. What I did was I took social media management and I just split it up into three different packages. Right? There's a way to do that effectively, of course. But you don't, I didn't, I wasn't selling these different products even to this day. I still don't. I do website design. There's paid marketing, of course. Um, We do branding. But those aren't like, those are what, four or five services I just named, right? There aren't 10 of them. And people sometimes think more, you know, I just need to produce more. I need to do more, promote more um, so I can get, you know, I can have more. It's like, no, 
how many times have you gone to a specialist and you probably pay them more for a reason because, because they're, so they're really really good at one particular thing or a couple particular things yeah and i've had clients come up to me and they're like we just really want you for this one thing we don't need you for anything else because they know i'm really really good at social media so i think that was the biggest realization that i had that you can actually get more by almost doing less essentially and you don't need these 10 different products so um, I'm holding a free webinar on that. But on top of this, how to launch a profitable business, I even implement a whole like mathematical formula that you can use to get whatever target income, whether that's your first 5K month, 8K month, 10K month, right? There's a formula that you can actually use depending on your um, lead generation and how to effectively reach that goal. That's awesome. So it kind of just reverses the, the process, reverse engineers the process that you've kind of developed and used to scale and grow your business the right way and teaches someone how to do it more quickly. Absolutely. I literally reverse engineered everything. Basically everything that I've done up to this point, on top of the feedback, on top of the questions, I reverse engineered it. And I said, what if I were talking to Rosalind in the very beginning stage of her um, business when she didn't know anything, what would she want to know? What have other people asked her along the way? What has she learned? And what can she, oh, how can she over deliver so other individuals, one, don't make the same mistakes, but two, they can actually outperform. And I, and I looked at it from that standpoint, I was like, oh, easy. Add the curriculum in no time. I literally go from the client onboarding process, which we discussed, to an SOP process, to um, how to even open, filing a business, you know, I use Zen Business, um, to organizing on a project management system. Wow. So things that people don't think about, they're just like, oh, well, I just file my LLC and that's it. I'm like, no, you need to have systems in place early on. So you don't, you know, so you set yourself up for success in the long run and you can scale quickly. Yeah. And these are the types of things that you've obviously learned by probably making mistakes. Oh, yeah. Having to look things up last minute, having to kind of like adjust to your situation. But if you learn from someone who's done it before, you can get things done quick, more quickly and more efficiently. Yeah, I heard this before. Coaches are the cheat codes to a lot of things in your life. And I was like, huh, okay. A lot of us don't want to invest in stuff like that. But I can't tell you that I haven't lost money on anything that I've invested in myself. Um, I literally took a manifestation course years ago. And I can tell you I'm grateful I did because that set me up for the mindset that I have now. And any other course, I've taken so many courses. I am picking out the course I'm going to take this year, for example. So I'm constantly learning yeah. and applying it and then sharing it to the world. And then you're able to continue leveling up because of that. Absolutely. I have a couple closing questions that I always like to ask on the podcast. And we've talked a lot about the things that you've kind of learned along the way. So my question to you is if you could go back in time and talk to a younger Rosalind as she was first starting her agency, maybe first going full-time, having the wisdom and knowledge that you have now, if you could take that back with you, what are a couple things you would tell her to do differently getting started out? I would say stop being so scared all the time. I think anxiety, it happens to all of us, but that anxiety is just to stop. Like it's, it's all in your head really at the end of the day. Um, so I would tell her to stop being so scared and look at it from a standpoint of, you know, this is your purpose and this is where you're meant to be. Um, go at it full strong. I would also tell her 
perhaps that um I don't know it's it's gonna be okay and it's crazy because I don't think a lot of things I would tell her is to do this better because I think everything that she did at that point was what's exactly what she needed to be where she is today and she needed to make those mistakes if anything um it's just that mental and again it goes back to that mindset it all goes back to that mindset it's like stop being so dang scared and just go for it you know stop listening to the world because your parents your friends people will tell you things I've had people message me things that are that weren't very nice and I didn't respond but just keep going it's gonna be okay I love it other question I have for you because the show is called profession session it's my mission and my goal on the show to break down the qualities and tactics behind reaching professional success so that people can do it more easily so my question to you is what does it mean to you personally to be a professional um i think to me to be a professional is doing what you love and reaching it in a capacity that is honoring yourself and true to others but also just serving others i'm very big into that um i think professionalism is huge in the sense i know people have an issue with it nowadays with certain things but it's what you want it to be you know i think professionalism back in the day was be dull and you know wear a suit all the time and girls don't do your hair or have pink nails right um be yourself and that's where your professionalism comes through i love bright colors and i wear pink nails to networking events and i like being dolled up that is who i am that is my professional self while i honor myself and also can serve others you're being the best version of yourself that you can be with the standards that you've set for yourself. It sounds Your like. authenticity. Love it. Anything else that you would want to share with the audience, Rosalind? Um, if you are seeking to um, grow your business, if you have an idea that you're just kind of sitting there or it's probably in your notes on your iPhone, it's just been sitting there, you know it's time to get work at it, join us for our webinar um, in June. We will be discussing how you can make a profitable business with just one product. Love it. So I will put all the links in the description or the show notes for anyone who's listening on audio or watching on video to find Rosalind wherever she is on Instagram, on the course, in all spots. Um, thank you again for being on. This has been awesome. I've learned thank a lot. Thank you, Brody. I appreciate you. Awesome. And that's a podcast.